You can't change the past, but you can change your questions. You change your questions, you can change your life. Welcome back to the Dream Out Loud podcast. In this episode, I sit down with my good friend, Dr. Espen. You don't need to quit smoking. You don't need to quit procrastination. It's often a little bit opposite of what people think. And together we put a freaking masterclass when it comes to quantum healing, quantum physics, and how to literally change the reality of your life using nothing other than your belief. The body becomes what you believe. So it has to start with the belief. And even if the belief is a stretch, like, no, you can't. Yeah, you can. We talked about his near-death experience and how doctors said he would never be able to walk again and how he went on to almost win the Ninja Warrior on live TV. The doctor says, we're going to chop your leg off. And then I had a dream of maybe one day I could get on Ninja Warrior. Mm. And it was like, that'll be great for you to do that. But And what the power of our thoughts and the power of our beliefs have on our reality and how we can literally shape it be any way we want it to be. The soul doesn't see it that way. So unless you can reprogram that belief to something else that's going to serve you, you'll keep on firing and wiring unconsciously. And we also talked about how you can use the power of quantum physics and quantum healing to literally heal any part of you and achieve optimal health. When it comes to enlightenment, empowerment or healing, the rest is always there every single time. This episode is jam-packed with value. So if you're new here, welcome to Dream Nation. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you're coming back, welcome back. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating, and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips, and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. My man, Dr. Espen, back for round two. Good to have you back, my man. Great to be here. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you again. Last time we talked, we talked all things quantum physics, quantum healing, talked manifestation. Obviously, for the past like nearly two decades, you've devoted like your entire life to studying neuroscience everything quantum and i want to let the listeners know take us back to like how did you actually fall into the whole the studies the obsession of the studies of neuroscience the brain quantum physics and all of this it started when i was young my brother died when i was five and so you know when i was five years old i'd I'd woke up in the morning to a scream it's a horrendous scream i ran into my brother's bedroom and he was dead and then that was the first kind of trauma that you know shocked me Two years later, my sister was born disabled. And so as, as I was growing up, I was basically obsessed by two primary questions. One, in regards to my brother being dead, why do people take life for granted when it's so, so precious? It's not until, you know, you either get sick or you lose it that you realize that, you know, so much has been beautiful and all the things that you've had, and now it's, you know, seemingly lost. And two, in regards to my sister being born disabled, the second question that I was obsessed by was where does sickness, disease, and suffering come from? So as I was growing up, I was haunted by learning and and really understanding what it means to fully live and really understanding what it means to fully heal. And so then I understood that the nervous system is the master controller system of all of the other systems. 
I recognized that if I needed to be smart, I needed to learn to master my own nervous system. And this is something that a lot of people are struggling with. You know, they're stuck in fight or flight. They're, they haven't healed the, you know, the stuff of the past and things like that. So they're repeating the same mistakes over and over again. Then I came to Australia 2005, crashed the motorcycle, broke both my legs, almost died in a hospital twice and got the greatest gift that God could ever give me, which was that opportunity to heal myself from the inside out. Because doctors were pumping me full of drugs. I got a staph infection from the hospital and they said, mate, you know, the easiest thing we can do right now, the best thing is to cut your leg off from the hip and down. And if we don't do that, and if the infection spreads, if you get sepsis, then you die. So the gift that I got from spirit was to be able to heal myself. And I did. I lost 13 kilos. I knew that I was dying. I had to leave the hospital and do things my way. And breath work and the stuff that we teach in our events now literally saved my life. So that's why neuroscience and the, the essence of quantum physics or quantum science has become fundamental uh, elements for the way I live and the way I understand and see things. Because if it wasn't for it, I would have been dead. You said you mentioned something before about if people aren't working on the things internally, the nervous system, they'll continually repeat. Are you saying, dive in a little bit more into that. They're repeating what? What are they repeating if they're not working on the things and how do they work on the things in the nervous system? Good. So let's keep it simple, right? If you understand what's called the imprint period, the age of one to seven years. Yeah. yeah. Right? So when, when the child is young, their entire reality, their entire blueprint, the, the, their model of reality is created. So it's like source code. If you, if you code a computer, you build the source code, and then everything on that source code will repeat itself over and over again any time and every time you start the computer, right? The human brain is very similar. It's been said that we only use 5 to 10% of our brain, and I couldn't agree more. That's very accurate. So if that's the case, then what about the other 95%? Well, the 95% is the autonomic, or the autonomic part of the nervous, nervous system or the subconscious part of the nervous system. So if we don't dive into the unconscious part of the nervous system, then we're going to be repeating the same things over and over again. Let's say you're two years old, you're five years old, whatever. I remember when I was seven, actually, I was in school and I couldn't read or write really well. And you know how the teacher goes around and says, you know, next person to read, next person to read. And it was coming closer and closer to me. And I'm just feeling my entire body leaning up. I'm like, fuck, no, this is, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm experiencing fear because I couldn't read well. And then, you know, it was my turn. I stood up, I tried to read and it was just, you know, letters are moving around. It was all blurry. And I, I, I started right and the whole class laughed at me. And so then I realized that, you know, that is a fear of mine. That is a trauma of mine. So it wasn't until I got older that I realized that I couldn't read or write well. Like for example, you know, six and a half years at university, I've got my doctorate and all these things, but I had to really fight that challenge to be able to overcome it so that I could become who I am today. And so the reason why I say that is because most people have a lot of unresolved patterns, programs, blueprints, traumas in the unconscious mind. And it's not until we go back and actually sit with it and breathe with it and, and observe it from that level of you know a conscious awareness that we can actually understand what these programs are. Another example is if a child is, is a racist, the child is not a racist. The child is seemingly a racist because of the way they've been conditioned. Most people have no idea how they've been conditioned or what that conditioning is doing. So what they can do is to go back, observe it for what it is, and ask quality questions. You can't change the past, but you can change your questions. You change your questions, you can change your life. Such as, who am I with these blueprints? Who am I with these programs? What do I truly believe about me? Because most people, you know, we're realizing that we are creators, right? But what we're creating, we're not really aware of what it is that we're creating. Does that make sense? Mm. 
I, w- I want to dive into this more because everything you're talking about, I'm so familiar with. And like, I don't know if you've heard that study they did with six monkeys. Mm-hmm. There's six monkeys in a cage. They give them a, a bunch of bananas. The monkey is up the up the ladder to get the bananas, and they get and the other ones get punished. Eventually, they beat the shit out of the monkey every single time it goes up the ladder. So then, no monkeys move. They take a monkey out. They put in a brand new one and goes up the ladder. Gets a shit beaten out of him. Left wondering what the fuck happened. Comes back down. They put another one in. Goes up the ladder. They all beat the shit out of him, including the one that just it just joined in. And they did it over and over and over until every monkey in there was brand new. No one went up the ladder. No one in skull with water. And if you ask the monkey, why do you not go up the ladder and go after your bananas, aka opportunities, dreams, goals in life, he'll say, well, that's just the way things have always been done. Are you saying that these blueprints, these conditionings, are these been imprinted in our nervous system or our unconscious mind as like beliefs and conditioning, or are they the same? Same, same. Often though, because it's been repeated and believed to be such a way, such as, you know, mother and father does this, you know, they have this argument often around the topic of money. So the child grows up not really knowing why, and of course the child is now an adult, not really knowing why they have such a destructive relationship with money, why money feels so scarce, why it feels so tight and contracted, why it doesn't feel good at all. You open up NetBank on your phone and you go, ooh, that feeling. Well, that feeling is coming from the subconscious, but it's teaching you everything you need to know. So if you open up NetBank on your phone and you go, oh, this feels so good. I'm so excited, so grateful. Yes, celebrating how abundant I am. Magical. But if you open up the NetBank on your phone and the average most common feeling is that of constriction or, you know, subtraction or fear, well, then that's a program. And this is why I say to a lot of people as well when they come to my work is, you know, you don't have a money problem, you have a money program. Mm. And this could be disregarded if you don't have money to pay your bills, but, you know, you and I are more abundant than 80% of the world's population that has no clean food, no clean water, and no shelter. So in countries like Australia and many people watching and listening, we are so freaking abundant. Why are we living in scarcity? You don't have a money problem, you have a money program. This can be reprogrammed, of course. That's the power of the understanding what is subconscious or unconscious and how to make it conscious. Mm. So you're in hospital. They're telling you we're going to cut off a leg or you're going to die. Then you used everything that you've been studying and learning to essentially heal your body. You've used the power of quantum healing. How, talk us through for the people watching this. Be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what is quantum healing? What actually happened to you, the process of the recovery there? It's a great question. So the, the the quantum quantum is a big hype these days. Right? Mm-hmm. So I've been teaching this fact. Trendings. Trending. Yeah, you yeah, just disclaimer. He was doing it before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was teaching breath work fifteen years ago. Yeah. And I was saying the power of the breath is, is is remarkable. You know, I was saying stuff like you can you can you can completely take charge of your nervous system, you can control the phrenic nerve, the vagus nerve, the autonomic nervous system, you can completely change your state. You can do so many things with breath. By the way, the spirit comes in. The child takes his first breath, spirit leaves the body, the person takes its last breath. There is a direct correlation. Even in indigenous languages in Australia, the word spirit and breath is the same word. So I was teaching this 15 years ago, and only a few years later, everyone's heard of a guy called Wim Hof, mm-hmm. right? And so this, this, the reason why I was teaching it then was because it didn't change my life, it saved my life. So I left the hospital, right? So the doctor goes, well, cut your leg off, or the infection spreads. And spirit came through my crown like a lightning bolt. This is the clearest I've ever been. I, I have never at that point in time ever experienced anything like that before. I didn't know what it was. I know what it is now. 
it was just, you know, a download, you know, mm -hmm. a moment of clarity. Boom, straight through the crown. And spirit says, if it is to be, it's up to me. I had no idea what it meant, but I knew what I needed to do. So I walked home to the suburb in, in Northcote in Melbourne, where I was living at the time. And I started sitting up on my bed and just doing the breath over and over again. What was really- Were you learning it up to this point or is this just an intuitive thing? Uh, well, I would say mostly intuitive. I was teaching a little bit of breath work, but I had no idea what I was dabbling in. 15 years ago, I had no mm. clue the power of the breath, right? The gift of life. You can't live home without it, even if you mm -hmm. tried. Mm -hmm. And it completely has, you, if you look at, you know, for example, ancient um, religions and, and uh, philosophies around the world, it's always when it comes to enlightenment, empowerment or healing, the breath is always there. Every single time in meditation, in breath work, in awareness, so many things. So I realized that there was something to it. But I didn't know what it was. And so I went the old medical route. You know, I did all the drugs and all the things that they asked me to do. And I was losing weight and losing weight. And, you know, like now I don't have a lot of body fat, but I lost 15 kilos. So I knew that I was dying. So modern medicine, the ambulance, for example, saved my life. But I got also got the hospital, had the infection from hospital. Mm. Right. So what I needed to do was to follow my intuition. I went home and I started breathing. As I was sitting on my bed doing this, this spinal breathing that I'm teaching, a lot of our students now, a lot of things from the past were coming up. So for example, I had, a, I had a hole in the side of my hip where the infection was at its worst. Every day it was about a liter, this is disgusting, but true, a liter to two liters of pus that would come out of the side of my hip for a year plus, in like over a year. And I had to milk it out and try and get rid of it. It's a horrible. That's fucking horrible, horrible. And I've got videos and pictures of this. It's like shit you wouldn't even want to see, right? So I tried everything and I realized when I was eating unhealthy, when I was drinking alcohol, when I was stressing, the, the hole on the side of my hip would get bigger. Okay. So not good news. And then when I would, you know, do breath work and meditation and things like that, it would get smaller. Okay. So I realized, okay, there's certain things I do that's improving my health and certain things I'm doing that's making it worse. Now, when I came home from the hospital, the doctor said, well, cut your leg off or the infection spreads. Spirit came through my crown like a lightning bolt. If it is to be, it's up to me. I said, thanks, doc. He left the hospital. I ripped the intravenous out of my arms and I've never looked back. That's when I went home and started doing the breath. What I, this was really interesting, Morgan. When I, when I, the first time I did this breath, sitting on my bed and I was breathing, spinal breathing, I passed out and I woke up and I felt so incredible. It felt amazing. It felt peace. Like the level of peace that I haven't felt, you know, forever before. So I did it again. And as I was breathing, the images of my brother dying came up. The images of my mother slapping me across the face when she was drunk. She was drunk every day for 15 years. I grew up in an alcoholic family. All of these memories from childhood started coming up while I was breathing. And my mind was really perplexed. I'm like, why is this shit coming up? Much to I'm, trying to, I'm trying to heal my infliction. Mm. This has nothing to, or does it have something to do with the traumas of childhood? So as I continued to do the breath, a lot of the wounds and traumas, including the story that I was telling you before about how, you know, I was laughed at at seven when I tried to read in class, all of these wounds were coming up and I recognized that these were indeed psychosomatic illnesses, issues in the tissues that were imprinted, stored in the, in the cellular memory of my tissues, in the unconscious mind. So when I was breathing, you know, elevating my inner energy frequency and vibration, these things were coming out. So they're not, of course, just mental or emotional, but also spiritual and chemical and many other types of dis-ease that is found in the body. And so what we do with our students is we teach them the breath, the, the movement, the meditation, 
and we're able to guide them back in time to sit with the trauma. For example, I was seven. Didn't the other students laugh at me? And then I changed the story, mm-hmm. right? So if I am to be, if I'm the spirit and the soul, or if I'm just the body, listeners and viewers can decide. What do you believe? You're only flesh and bone? Or there's more to you than flesh and bone? Mm-hmm. All right? Most people would say, I, I think I'm more. I'm a spirit, soul, source, consciousness, some sort of intelligence. I'm something more than just the three-dimensional temporary reality, right? So if we then believe that there's more to us, perhaps spirit, than just flesh and bone, then look at it from that perspective. Why do you think I was bullied at seven? So that I could become a, a speaker. Why do you think I almost died in hospital twice so that I could heal myself and go on to now having graduated 7,500 students, having helped them heal themselves? I don't heal them. They heal themselves. They're the doctor. They're the healer. But they haven't learned how yet. And that's the key. That's so interesting. So knowing what everything you know now, knowing that when diseases or pains come up in our body, they often represent something, right? So for the people not list- uh, people listening not knowing what, like, for example, things in the mouth, often things we're not speaking, right? Because I'll often ask people if they say to me, you know, oh, I've had um, a friend of mine, he, he's got tons of lies all the time. And uh, I'm like, what are you not saying? Exactly. Like, what are you not speaking, right? Because it's, it's our throat. So knowing everything you know now, what was the hips about? As a good one, fear. 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 Do you know now fear of what? What was it? Fear of not being enough. Fear of not having enough, fear of not being worthy enough, fear of not being loved enough. So interesting. So is it true that every single disease we have actually has its own vibration and frequency? Yes, to the closest that we can measure. And Dr. Hawkins started this many, many years ago. Dr. Hawkins, Dr. Mm -hmm. David Hawkins started this with the Hawkins scale of consciousness, also known as the Hawkins map of consciousness, when he was able to assimilate certain bandwidth of frequencies. So it's easy to say, yeah, fear vibrates at 100 oscillations or, or vibrations per second, but we can't say 100% for sure. But the data is remarkably accurate. So if we take a scale from 0 to 700, 0 is death. If there is no oscillation or no vibration, there is no life. And 700 is the highest end of the scale, which is complete enlightenment. But have they measured, like, they have measured people out of 700 or? Yeah. Yeah, over many, many years. I think Dr. Orkins did this for over 30 years before he passed out. So phenomenal. And they used a lot of applied kinesiology, as in muscle testing yeah. and Karelian photography and other evidence-based techniques to be able to, to discover this. I think in general, without saying, yeah, I can give you, you know, double-blind studies, peer-reviewed articles, even though they do exist, what I think a lot of our students have benefited from is reading the book, uh, you know, for example, Power Versus Force mm-hmm. by Dr. Hawkins or Letting Go by Dr. Hawkins and really feeling and tuning into it to see if that's right for them. What we do know is, to keep it simple, a low frequency or a low vibration equals sickness and disease and the things you don't want, and a high vibration equals the things that you do want. And that's where we guide our students back into their primary fear, back into guilt. A primary fear. Their primary fear. What's that? Well, think about it. Everyone has different fears, right? All kinds of different fears. A fear of this, a fear of that. But really what unites us all is the human experience of fear. So it's not from the aspect of the spirit, because the spirit doesn't fear. The soul doesn't wake up in the morning quivering. Mm -hmm. It just loves. It just is. Mm. I am that I am. But the human experience, or the temporary, you know, fifth, you know, five senses, six if you include thought, experiences fear as we are in this lower dimension. 
So then what unites us in this dimension is that we all experience fear from time to time. But your fear is going to be different to mine. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So what we do is we guide people back in time, closed eye meditation, uh, hypnosis, to sit with, and they always find it because we're doing a disassociated kind of uh, timeline experience. Yeah. And they find a trauma or a, a major experience of fear that happened in the past. Often it's from the imprint period, the earliest stages of life, but it doesn't have to be. It could be there in 20s or 30s or something. Then they find this fear and then they sit with it and they feel it. And they often feel, oh my gosh, yeah, this is in my kidneys or this one's in my lower back or I'm getting real tight in the neck. So they can actually get more conscious of where it is in the body. Then we change the story from the aspect of the spirit. Hang on, how did that happen for me? What am I supposed to learn? God never says give it a new meaning. 100%. Because th this is a meaningless universe. Yeah, yeah. It's a meaningless universe. Like, your meaning is different to my meaning, so it's mm -hmm. meaningless. Not that it's not worth anything, but it's meaningless because you get to create the meaning. Yeah. And the event is neutral. And this is what most people don't understand. Oh, hang on, my, my dad beat my mama. You know, my husband left my you know left me or whatever it is. They give it the meaning of having more drawbacks than benefits. If you give any any situation, any event in your life more drawbacks than benefits, you're going to suffer because it pulls away your life force. It steals away your presence, mm. right? It happened to you. Therefore, you are a victim of it. The soul doesn't see it that way. So unless you can reprogram that belief to something else that's going to serve you, you'll keep on firing and wiring unconsciously the same kind of uh, program that's going to be stealing away your presence and your life force. Now you're not present with your child or with your lover because you're feeling like something bad happened to you. The soul wouldn't see it that way. So you can change the question from how did that happen to me to how it's happening for me. And you can, since you can't change the past, you might as well change the meaning. So it's a meaningless universe, but what matters is the meaning you choose to give it, not the autonomic uh, response of the past. Yeah. That makes sense? 100%. So all these vibrations, I want to open up a conversation. And I, I know where you stand on it and I want to open up it up as deep as it wants to go. If we look at the consciousness level, right? Everything you just said, all the lower levels of consciousness are about, you know, diseases. Mostly, you know, I, I know for a fact that cancer is mostly a conflict in the body or anger. And, and often at my programs, I work on people on actually removing anger and stuff. And sometimes people get pissed off and they're like, why do I have to revisit this shit? I'm so angry. Well, you can even do it right now for a quick few minutes or keep holding it forever and run the risk of potentially bringing some horrible disease into your body because you're just storing this shit. People hold anger and then they, it's like drinking poison expecting someone else is going to die. They hold on to all this shit from the past. So my question is, knowing that the lower levels of, of the vibration, anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, all these sorts of shitty things down there are where most diseases and things happen. When people have diseases, they get medical, they get pharmaceuticals, yada, yada, yada. Do you think that we're living in a society that is purposely doing things to lower our vibration and consciousness through diet, uh, through things we view, consume? Yes and no. The no component is that this experience that we have in the th upper third dimension as, a, as humans experiencing, you know, this, this, this reality is collective. It means that the collective vibration of what we are experiencing right now is inside all of us. 
So there's no darkness on the outside apart from the darkness that's within. So it's easy to point the fingers at the governments and at people and organizations and say, I am this way because of them. And, and you know, conspiracy theorists do this very effectively. And, you know, I, I might be considered one of them in terms of conspiracy theorists, but everything that I've said has come to fruition. I know I can see things. I can understand pattern cycles and seasons. So I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I can see, I understand history so I can see what's coming. So that's one thing. But the, the point is, it's dangerous to focus on fear. Because rather you're down the rabbit hole, you're not down the rabbit hole. Whatever you focus on is what you find. So if you want to be a conspiracy theorist and you want to look at what's happening in the world, at least see it from the place of, I am the creator of my reality. Everything around me, and this is scientifically proven in quantum physics, everything around me is a direct projection or a reflection, a mirror of what's happening inside of me. So if I am to show up and, and, and make a change in the world, it has to start with me. It's always going to be an inside job. You don't have to go without when you go within. So that's the first thing. That's the, the, the part where, hang on, let's look at the world and let's be clear that this is a projection of our consciousness reflected back to us exactly what we need to do to heal. Okay? Secondly, yeah, there are powerful forces at play in this world that have a tremendous vested interest in shutting us down from evolving into the spiritual enlightened beings that we already are. So you've got to be very, very careful or at least conscious of where you place your attention and what you understand is going on in the world and who you allow into your field. So I would say there are certainly um, people out there that definitely are trying to slow down the expansion of consciousness using horrible, horrible tools, techniques and weapons to do so, inhumane stuff. But I understand that that also is a trait of me that I haven't healed yet. So mm. I'm willing to take full responsibility for everything uh, of how I show up in the world. So it's a yes or no answer from me. Do you think that the ancestors that came way before us, the Egyptians, the, you know, if we think all the ancient tribal, do you think they knew a lot more things when it comes to consciousness and this higher power than we currently know? Well, that's proven. We know that. That's not a hypothesis. That's absolutely e true. Explain. What, what do you know about this space? Well, let's look at the pyramids in Egypt, for example, 3,500 to 5,000 years ago. They're so accurately, accurately created that today in 2024, we cannot duplicate them. We cannot replicate them. We don't have the tools and technologies. So we either know that one, we were more advanced as a civilization in the past, or two, maybe we had help from extraterrestrials or something else, maybe both. But nonetheless, we cannot do that today. So yeah, we were way more advanced in the past than we currently are now. And um, with that in mind, could we look to the past and learn some things? Absolutely. Could we understand the power of consciousness is the only way, that love is the only way we will avoid the sixth mass extinction of mankind? It's just so simple. The sixth mass, mass extinction, extinction of man. So we've gone extinct five times. We know this with the cycles and the seasons. Things have happened over and over again. So if we don't actually look at how we're evolving, if we don't look at how we're you know, walking this planet and, and treating this planet, we know that it's not possible for humans to to survive. We, we are, we're heading into extinction, as we understand it's not going to be inhabitable on this planet. So I believe the only thing that's going to bring us home to the truth of who we are is unconditional love and the expansion of consciousness and, and understanding that unity consciousness is real and that we all are one. There's no way around it. And there will be people suppressing that and trying to, you know, have more in the detriment of others. But people are waking up fast. And, you know, with the last five years of COVID and mm. things that we've seen, the darker the dark, the brighter the light. 
you know, for me, in my hypothesis, with my patients and students, I'm seeing things toggle on, like things in a superhuman nature that I've never seen in clinical practice ever before. People healing themselves in a 20-minute, 30-minute, 40-minute breath work that they've been dealing with for 10, 20 years. Give us an example. Oh, man, I forgot so many. So, for example, in my last event, I had this lady, chronic shoulder issue, six and a half years, had not been able to lift her shoulder up, quite skeptical, didn't really know about the breath and how it worked. She's breathing, right? And as her heart field is opening, as she's experiencing this immense amount of electricity in her hand, she's feeling grace and love and presence. She's feeling connected for the first time in, in however long. I can't recall what she said. She comes out of the breath work, bawling her eyes out, going like this, Luke, look at my shoulder. I have not been able to do this for six and a half years. I've done everything, chiro, physio, osteo, rehab, the whole lot. And the other day as well, another lady, she was told by her, her doctor that she's going blind. You will be going blind because she had trauma to her eyes when she was younger. She's not shed a tear for over 15 years. So apparently the doctor said, no, no, your, your tear ducts are dried up. You're going blind. And she believed it. Mm. She believed it. She did not create, she did not have the resources to create her own belief. So she borrowed borrow that belief, you know, from the doctor. She comes to the event, she does the breath and she stands up and she's waving her hands like a crazy person. And then the microphone comes over. She's just crying. She's bawling her eyes and going, look at my tears. I'm not going blind. And then she told the story. And it goes on and on and on and on. I had the gentleman, um, he was on my Instagram the other day, um, two hip surgeries, com like bilateral, which means both side, labral tears, like completely torn his hip joints, went to the doctors, had the surgery, um, came out of hospital, gently started doing the rehab. The doctor goes, yeah, you can go back to doing gentle weights. He does a squat crack rips them both apart again right just cannot believe it how could this happen goes and has them done again and now he's basically in his 20 going 20s going i can't walk mm. i can't play sports i can't move you know he's feeling really sad he comes to the event does the three days with us does the breathing and we've got a video of this and he's standing up and he's shaking as he's holding the microphone bawling his eyes out got squatting up and down going look i can move my hips and just this beautiful young man is just crying with such grace and gratitude because he was able to heal himself. And I think this is the key. So just for the listeners and viewers, we don't heal, fix, cure, or treat anyone. But when they understand, when you listeners understand that inside of you, there is an immense amount of power. There is this, this, this hidden dormant tools and technologies that have been there since, you know, you were created, which is basically you are eternity embodied in temporary time. When you can tap into the essence of unconditional energy, which is who your spirit is, there's nothing you cannot do. What's up, Dream Nation? Have you ever wondered how far ahead your life would have already been if you had got access to this type of content at a younger age? Look, this is why I need your help. I'm trying to build the number one personal development platform out there to teach you guys the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live your dream life and to bring the type of education that we all wish we had in school. This show only grows by word of mouth and new subscribers. So it would mean the world to me if you could smash that subscribe button right now, leave us a five-star written review or drop a comment below and share this episode with a friend. I would be forever grateful. All right, now let's get back into this episode. So if we have me, I wear glasses. Technically, if I, my eyes would be a brand new eyeballs in two years when the, the cells rejuvenate. So why is it I need glasses again in two years if they're brand new eyeballs? And because at some, well, 
my earliest memory is, oh, you have to wear glasses now. So it's such a deep rooted belief is I have bad vision. that I have 30 years of evidence to prove that I have bad vision. So every single time the cells rejuvenate, it remembers the old belief. And, and I've, and I've contemplated that. I'm like, if I could somehow dislodge that belief, like that would probably be one of the most deep rooted beliefs because I've had it since I got glasses when I was like four or something, right? If I could dislodge that, would my eyes start to heal? Um, one time, this is the first time I've ever actually shared this on the podcast ever. So one time, um, we're doing a mushroom journey and I had this insane vision of my right eye, especially. Okay. Cause my right eye is actually like, I'd be legally blind in this eye. So I'm really only seeing my left one. I just insane thing of everything happening was like going and actually healing my eye. And it was saying to me, it's like, give it two years, give it two years. We've just done the work. We've done the work. And I'm like, this is fucking wild. <laughs> and then I sat down with an optometrist just the other day and they said to me, the reason this will never ever work. And also because I can't get laser on it is because the nerves never got connected properly. What's your view on that? If you were me and they said, this is what's happened. How would you look at that? Knowing all the things you know now. Firstly, it comes down to the oldest rule in epigenetics, you know, by Professor Bruce Lipton, which is what you believe you achieve. And this has to be the first place, because if there's a deep-rooted unconscious belief that, ah, oh, that's not going to work, well, then it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So you need to choose your belief. And then sometimes people say, well, you, you can't just choose to believe this or this. And my question is, why the fuck not? Why not? Why don't you choose to believe that you can do anything you wanted? I'm in my 40s. My biological age is 30. You know, my average heart rate is 120. Heart rate variability is 128. You know, I can run faster, lift stronger. I can do stuff in a week that people can't do. Some people can't do in three months. My age is reversing as I'm getting healthier, fitter, and stronger. I have overcome obstacles that people could not overcome. And everything that's inside of me is inside of them, but I have a different belief. I have chosen, I've programmed this person. I, my beliefs aren't there because I think maybe that'll work one day. My beliefs are there because that's what the belief needs to be for me to get to mastery, for me to get to where I want to go. So my beliefs are tailored based on what I want to do. And then I fire and wire them over and over again. Okay. So how do you fire and wire? Explain that. I, I, so you repeat it. So it's a language, like, right? Like an affirmation? Well, affirmations, feelings, beliefs. Um, mm -hmm. sitting in meditation with it like it's already done prayer mm -hmm. breath work I, I imprint it so you're seeing the ideal vision of you you want or are you chanting done. like a belief or something or all of the above it's already done yeah it's already done you know and this is what I've done over and over again for example when I you know, broke both my legs as I said before in Australia and then you know <laughs> the doctor says you're gonna we're gonna chop your leg off you know and I'm starting in a wheelchair and then I had a dream of maybe one day I could get on Ninja Warrior and it was like, that'll be great for you to do that. But, you know, with, you know, recovering from two broken legs and that infection and uh, you're not going to, that's not going to happen. I was like, of course it's going to happen. Let's make it happen. And I smashed that buzzer, you know, because I had already chosen that that's done. And so the first thing, if you want to achieve anything, call it healing your right eye or, or the, the, the optic chiasm across that in whatever you're like connecting the nerve again, like you're, mm -hmm. like you're mentioning, it's already done. Mm -hmm. That's already done. There's there's no... This, this is not going to happen unless you choose yeah. to believe that that's done. And by done, I don't mean it's happening. No, it's done. Okay. Because you're working across timelines. This is a little bit esoteric, but your spirit not bound by space and time. Right. So you're sitting in this current timeline, but there's Morgan's 
across gazillions of timelines experiencing those timelines in the same time. So if you look at understanding, like Einstein said, there is no past, there is no future, you're working across all timelines. So in one timeline, you're already fully healed. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, in another dimension, another reality, another timeline, it's already healed. So now that we can achieve that, you know, there's a reason why Professor Bruce Lipton created the, the, the epigenetics or, or really re realized epigenetics because it's a fundamental constituent of truth. And he said, it's the biology of belief. That was the name of the book. The biology of belief. The body becomes what you believe. So it has to start with the belief. And even if the belief is a stretch, like, no, you can't. Do yeah, you can. That so is continually reconditioning it over and over again. And what does the belief need to be for you to make the rest of your life the best of your life? Once that's done, the rest of it is elimination, purifying the body. And this is where a lot of people really stuff it up. They, they like to, to put it short, if I was to take, say, a thousand of my graduates and interviewed them all and asked them, really, what's the cause of your suffering? What's the destruction in your life? What is it that you've been doing that's not serving you? It really, really comes down to emotions. Most people have never been trained to understand emotions. They've never been able to deal with their emotions. They've never had a chance to sit and talk about those emotions, as in how did it happen for you, you know? So the emotions cloud reason, and they lead to a lot of behaviors that are toxic. You know, for example, you don't, you know, drink wine or eat chocolate or you know, scroll endlessly on social media because you want to not be present or you want to do something that's that's not good for you, you do it to feel better, right? So the emotion is a significantly underrated aspect because people say to me, how can you do the things that you do? You know, run, you know, multi-million dollar companies and do this and be in peak performance and be do this and this and have beautiful relationships and be present with your child. It's because I understand the equilibration of emotion. Because I've taken two decades now to work on myself to bring the emotion from a low frequency to a high frequency. And everything, this is my quest, everything in the past that I have not fully healed, anything in the past that I cannot wholeheartedly say thank you, I love you so much for, anything in the past that I'm not grateful for, I have not healed yet. And that is my quest. And, so, and then I go back in time and I liberate energy. Okay, so if we look at everything as energy, right? A trauma steals energy. Gratitude will give you energy. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So if I go back and I find all the traumas in the past and I ask the question, how did that happen for me? I can turn fear to fuel. Trauma to transformation. My yeah. S becomes a part of my message. So that's the key. When you understand that emotions create habits, you heal your emotions, you don't need to quit smoking. You just don't want to smoke. You don't need to quit procrastination. Because you have passion, you see? So it's often a little bit opposite of what people think. You know, I want to be healthy, I want to be fit. So why do you find yourself self-sabotaging? Because you have not equilibrated the emotions. Mm. What is the quantum field? Ah, uh, the quantum field. Okay, so the quantum field... <laughs> In a nutshell. Okay, so this is... We, we got started that, we didn't get yeah. finished. Yeah. So the word quantum, it's, it's the hype word, okay? It's like, what is this quantum thing? In essence, it refers to the essence of quantum physics or quantum mechanics. Yeah. Okay. So if you go back. Yeah. Explain, explain to us, uh, for the listeners, okay. Explain to us quantum physics, essentially. The thing that Albert Einstein tried to figure out for 70 years, but 
explain to us so these guys can really understand it. They, the best way, I guess, how I understood it was the double slit experiment. Great. One. Ex- Great one. Explain to them the, I guess, the essence of quantum physics with, with that. Okay. So firstly, I'm not a physicist, but I have mm-hmm. been studying this within a session for the last two decades. So I've got a little bit of an idea, but of course, for every listener and viewer, you know, do your own research. If you go back a hundred years, Max Planck became known as the founder of quantum theory when he discovered a whole range of uh, basically uh, laws of nature that shows us that we're more energy than matter, more wave than particle. Mm. Okay. So when we understand that everything is energy, seeing it, this is my, the way I look at it, seeing everything, experiencing everything, relating to everything as energy is quantum. Okay, so I understand who and what I am. I am 99.9, and if you want to be accurate, 99 point and then eight nines, right? Pure untapped consciousness. That is non-physical, so non-matter consciousness. And less than 1% of me is matter, is body. Okay, so we know then that who I am is energy. So that's quantum for me. Understanding that there is a field, scientifically proven field of quote-unquote divine intelligence that is not just inside of us but it's actually who we are and this quantum field unified field as the scientists call it consciousness is another word for it spirit god whatever you want to call it is who we are and it's expressed in a unique form which for you happens to be in that body in this way in this time it's so wild so explain to us the the test the the double slit experiment can you explain how that rolled out because the people still listening that might be like I kind of get it but it's still all this airy fairy because before I really looked into this stuff I was like it's mm. a spiritual mumbo jumbo mm-hmm. but it's it's actual physics and science on how it sort of works so explain explain the what, what did they find with the double slit experiment or what is it imagine this everything is energy you have these little balls of energy okay? yeah, little uh, protons or some shit they shot electrons they, yeah right and so they create these two slits two holes Okay, and then they shoot these balls of energy, little electrons, through this these two slits, and they're observing where they're landing behind. Okay, which is interesting. And they realize that when no one's observing, it would land in a completely random fashion. Okay, so then they thought, hang on, of course, it's the consciousness of the observer that changes it. Because we know, through the work of Dr. Omoto, for example, out of Japan, that if I'm observing you with love, there will be an actual structural change to you based on me observing you from love compared to if I'm observing you from a, a place of hate. All right? So mm-hmm. if you talk to a plant, you're, you're ugly, you're disgusting, I hate you, the plant will get sick. But if you talk to a plant in a way you're so beautiful and I love you, the plant will actually get better and improve. And they did that by actually speaking to water and then freezing it and looking at the crystalline sacred geometry structure of the water from fear compared to love or from hate compared to love. So that was the first work with Dr. Omoto. And then they came to the double slit experiment, which is a different experiment. Now they've done this for decades. They still cannot still explain it, but they know it's real. So back to the experiment. So they fire these little balls of energy, little electrons, when someone's observing through a slit, and then they do it again when no one's observing. Okay, and then they find two completely different things. So they would land in a perfect uh, pattern, okay? And then they'd change it, and now they would land in a completely random fashion. Like everywhere. Everywhere. Splattered everywhere. No structure. Okay, so what they realized was, hang on, when someone's observing it, and by the way, the experiment's exactly the same, and I don't think I'm doing it the best justice here because I'm kind of 
going around they it. They take like an hour to explain it. If you want to keep it simple, mm-hmm. when they're firing these bolts of electrons and they're going through the two slits, when someone was observing it, they would land very differently to when someone was not observing it. Okay, but the experiment was exactly the same. So what they determined was that it's as if consciousness, the unified field, if you want to keep it scientific, is aware of when it's being observed. And it's as if the consciousness of the observer, that is you, for example, observing your relationships, observing your finances, observing your right eye and the healing, will change based on how it is being observed. Mm. Make sense? Mm. So back to Dr. Omoto. I don't think I can heal. It's not going to heal. It's already healed. Interesting. Different outcome. So then what they did, and here's the interesting thing, with the double slit experiment, is they removed every single consciousness observer and they placed a little camera in there instead. And now the little camera, which is not is not infused with human consciousness, or at least the, you know, the observer, is now watching the experiment. And the actual electrons would land in a perfect alignment, in directly in alignment with the slit. So what does that tell us? You don't need to have a human observer to change the outcome because the field knows that it's being observed, even with a camera. So this is what we call the observer effect. So basically, to summarize it, the double slit experiment shown has shown that consciousness, the universe, is aware of when someone's observing, and it's aware of when it's not being observed, as in consciousness and not being conscious, and it changes based on how it's observed. Therefore, things will only exist in our reality when we're actually focusing on them. 100%. The moment you start to stop to place attention upon it, it's not mm-hmm. a functional reality in yeah. this dimension. I, yeah, it's such a, a, yeah, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think Albert Einstein tried to prove it wrong for the majority of his career. And he gets this, like, one of his final things he wrote. He's like, because him and another scientist were going against it. And he's like, it's not, it doesn't exist. And the other guy was like, it does. Believe it. For about 50 years, I think he did. And then he wrote a letter and he's just like, okay, I'm pretty much hanging my hat up. I've spent the last 50 years trying to figure this out, trying to prove it wrong. And I haven't. So because of that, look the other way. Like, it's got to be, it's got to be this, right? So it's such a, it's such a complex thing. What I'm curious to know, so as entrepreneurs, a lot of people who view this podcast, they're entrepreneurs, we're all wanting to achieve peak performance. Like you said, you're in your 40s, like in you you just fucking dialed, like your health's insane. I've tried, I train with you. How can we use everything you know about quantum physics, quantum science, the quantum world to really biohack our health and get peak performance? Hmm. Great question, man. And this has been the quest of my life. You know, so I, in my method, in my model, I have eight areas of life. And my quest, and I'm not there, and I'm not perfect, but I'm getting close, is to master each of the areas of life. So physical health, mental, emotional, financial, relationships, personal development, career, vocation, mission, business, spiritual fulfillment and purpose, and time. So that's my quest, to master those areas. So I had to take a step back and ask myself, who am I? Okay, I'm spirit. I'm consciousness having a temporary human experience. What am I? I'm energy. Okay, so if I am the eternal embodied in temporary time and I am energy, is there a limit to me? And the answer is no. So hang on. I'm all that has ever been, will always be, spirit. Okay? There is no time. I'm here in the human experience and everything is energy. 
So I devoted myself to being a master of energy. How do you become a master of energy? You peel back the layers, you remove the interference. It's not going anywhere, Morgan. It's not trying to become something. It's peeling back the layers of interference in between how you're operating in this temporary human experience and the truth of who you are. So you remove interference. Every person has thousands of wounds, traumas, indoctrinations, habits, and things that they don't like. Purify your life. Let light, which is who we are, transmute and flow through the vessel with less interference. To give an example, an X-ray vibrates at a very high frequency, and I can shoot that X-ray through your body and capture it on a film behind you, and I can see you. But I can't put my hand through your shoulder because this, the vibration of this is not as high as the X-ray. So if I can raise my energy frequency and vibration up, I can come to the point of peak performance in any area of life. But it starts with the opposite of what people are doing. They're trying to get to somewhere, right, outside of themselves. I want to lose 20 kilos. I want to, you know, make a million bucks. I want to call in the special person into my life. They're going outside of themselves, but that's the problem. You need to turn the attention back within and remove any interference from energy, frequency, vibration, light, really, waves of light flowing through your vessel. And the way we do that is by removing interference. So it's not, as I said before, going anywhere. It's coming home. So interference being traumas? Anything and everything. Anything that doesn't serve you anymore. So traumas, absolutely. Patterns, habits, um, emotions, and standards. Like, honestly, people have set standards, and, I, and I'll be a bit blunt on this because I, I hope that your listeners and viewers will, will take it, you know, with, with love. I, I'm sharing this with love. But some of the shit that people are putting up with in their lives is fucking unreal. You know, they're okay with, you know, eating shit food every day. They're okay with not, you know, eating or drinking clean water. They're okay with the things that they're doing. And, and you know, I, I had a lot of suffering. Like, I'm born and raised in a family where alcoholism was on a daily basis, you know, where things were not, not in coherence. And I needed to really take a good look at myself and recognize that this, if I want to go to this level, if I want to take my companies from 5 million to 5 million to 15 million, I can't be playing at a 5 million a year level. It's just not going to happen. Einstein said this, <laughs> you cannot solve a problem by the same level of thinking that created it, right? So if you then look at something like Spiral Dynamics by Dr. Clear Graves, understanding the, you know, seven or eight, depending on how you look at it, levels of consciousness, if you're stuck at the moment in, in this level and you want to achieve something at a higher level, you're going to have to go to the higher level and ask the question, how would a person at this level solve the problem that I'm currently experiencing? So, for example, if I'm doing, you know, 5 million turnover a year, how do I get to 15 million? I've got to think like a decamillionaire at least. If I'm now experiencing my body not being healthy, how would an elite athlete solve or tackle this problem? So, you've got to come up to a higher level, preferably two levels above where you currently are, and solve the problem from that level. Okay, so for me, standards is massive. I've always looked to myself and demanded the best. And, you know, like if a person looks in the mirror right now and cannot love themselves for the body that they're in, they've got two freaking choices. Either one, continue to be less than you can, or two, raise your standards. Raise your standards to what they need to be for you to live an extraordinary life. You know, this is what we do as leaders, right? We lean into discomfort. Mm. I love discomfort. I love it. So... Have you got like a bit of a practice or something that these guys are listening to like, okay, great. So I've got to 
go forward into the future me, the one who has the results I want? And then is it like a practice of you like sitting in meditation, actually asking like a few, like a visualization practice, I'm assuming, getting into the body of the person who has everything already and asking that person the question, how do you sort of do this process of speaking to the $15 million version of you? So, so this is a great question. And these tools that you mentioned are really good tools, but they're still uh, outside tools, mm-hmm. okay? Or, or tools that are beyond you at this point. So what I would do first is turn the attention within and I would voluntarily submit myself into the most extreme yet congruent amount of emotional healing. So I teach a three-day program called Quantum Advanced. Every student needs to do this four times a year until they're emotionally equilibrated back to gratitude. Because if if a person is not vibrating at gratitude as their primary primary benchmark mm-hmm. of emotion, they're not attracting what they want. This is the bottom line. You know, this is one of the latest words of um, the late great uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer. He said, you do not manifest what you want. And everyone's like, whoa, what do you mean? That's a law of attraction, right? Yeah, but it's a half truth. Mm. So you don't manifest what you want. You think you do. You manifest what you are vibrationally. That's the truth. So what's the secret to manifestation? The secret to the law of attraction, the real secret of the secret is to raise your vibration. How do you raise your vibration? You've got to heal the stuff that's inside of you that's dragging it down. You may look at the, the people in your household or your friends or other, you know, people that are in your field. And that's very important to be impeccably clear with the people that you have in your inner circle, but it has to start with you. So the way I do it is I go back in time, like I mentioned before, and I equilibrate every single trauma, everything of the past that is not that of gratitude. And I equilibrate it back home to love. That has to be the, the process over and over and over and over and over again until all of those things, you know, I go back to, to the vision of my brother dying. You know, I'm five years old and I'm holding a, a blue child. Did you imagine that trauma? And I'm holding that blue child and I'm sitting in meditation and I'm feeling the young aspect of Espen feeling the sadness and the grief and the horror. But I'm also feeling this immense amount of gratitude because my brother died. He was never blessed with the opportunity to live. And every day when I put my feet on the ground, my right foot is thank you. My left foot is love you because I get to live. I get to stand and walk. My sisters never walked. With that in mind, I have wholehearted gratitude for those two experiences of the past because now I can live for the rest of my life with a set of values that most people will miss out on for their entire existence. So gratitude is the fundamental constituent of, of, of manifesting something. It's the ultimate state of receivership. So if you can't go back and equilibrate the past to gratitude, wholehearted gratitude, you've got some work to do. If you want to live an extraordinary life, heal your emotions, turn fear to fuel, and then you can be a master of energy. Dude, this has been fire. Where can everybody find you on social media? Check out everything you do. Many different ways. Um, go to Dr. Espen, D-R-E-S-P-E-N.com and Instagram, that sort of stuff. I think the podcast is really good. There's a, I think it's episode number 14. I do a thing for peak performance. It's called the top 10 biohacking secrets for peak performance in life and business. That's going to be something to geek out. Oh. When are you writing a book? Oh, the book is currently being written as we speak. Are you? Yeah. Nice. I'm going to start writing. I was going to start writing in December. So maybe I'll start writing on December 31 just so I can stay true to what I said. Um, beautiful. When is it coming out? Next year? Yeah, next year, 2024. Now, this is the point. I know that we've talked about a lot of things Mm -hmm. and we could have gone deeper in so many different ways and I talk very fast. So, firstly, thank you for having me. Secondly, go back and listen to this podcast again Mm. and what I love to do 
is to pause an interview like this when I've heard something that, that struck me and then I go and apply it. So don't just listen to it and then go listen yeah. to another one. You go and listen to this podcast. And when we talk about emotions or the double slit experiment or quantum science, go back and write it down. What are the traumas of the past? What are my standards in finances and relationships and so on and so forth? And when you pause it and you write it out, you could make this, this interview, you could make it life-changing rather than being an entertainment. Yeah. You know, and then sharing it with as many people as you can is absolutely vital in the, this time of the Great Awakening. Yeah. Dude, final question. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give him 30 seconds of advice, what would you tell him? Young man, please remember to stay humble, but never let that dim your light. Go and shine and make the world a better place.